Are you underutilizing one of the most powerful restaurant marketing tools on the planet? What do 92 million monthly Yelp searchers see when they land on your page? Is your content accurate and attention grabbing? Are you using every conversion tool possible to set yourself apart? Yelp is here to help. Go to restaurants.yelp.com forward slash profile to sign up for a one-on-one with a specialist that will review your Yelp page and share tips to help you stand out. Again, go to restaurants.yelp.com forward slash profile to supercharge your Yelp page today. Now here we go. I push against this notion that this is something that is just cool or something that is hipster. This is imperative if we stand a chance of existing as humanity for longer on this planet. Welcome to Full Comp, a show offering insight into the hospitality industry, featuring restaurateurs, thought leaders, and innovators, served up on the house. Hey, it's Josh. I'm starting a new case study group this month and I'm looking for a few specific people. So, if you're a restaurant owner or operator that's currently doing $50,000 per month in sales, have the desire and the bandwidth to increase your sales by 10 to 20% and have two to three hours per week to work on these strategies, I would love to help you scale up by Christmas. Go to restaurantcasestudy.com and sign up to learn more. Again, that's restaurantcasestudy.com. We're still contending with a global pandemic in the midst of a labor crisis. And this is another episode on sustainability. Are you shaking your head right now? How disconnected am I from what's going on in your day-to-day lives? I know today is hard, but we still need to prepare for tomorrow and the challenges we'll face then. Gen Z constitutes the largest population on the planet and they're intent on saving it. Sustainable practices are at the center of that movement. And at the center of the sustainability movement, we find Zuleika Strassner, founder of Zero Grocery. Today, we unpack what it took to create a plastic-free life and a plastic-free business. The thing I actually don't tell most people is I grew up in London, but I grew up with both a father and a grandfather that worked in food. They would import and export food to the United Kingdom and then distribute them. And so I always actually grew up around big sacks, like 50 pound bags of sesame seeds and nuts and flour and sugar. And I kind of forgot about that experience kind of growing up. And food was always a big deal in my family. But the movement really begun for me around 2016, 2017, in part because I saw the rise of sustainability initiatives. But for the most part, like many of my friends, I never thought of myself as an environmentalist. I always thought of myself as a very tired working woman. And I took a honeymoon to the Caribbean and I was on the Corn Islands, which are part of Nicaragua. And I was just astounded by how much plastic trash I saw. And I had heard about living zero waste. I'd seen the movement on Instagram and a lot of the women living the lifestyle didn't look like me. They looked very happy and gay and they were skipping on beaches and they were doing beach cleanups. (laughs) And I thought, what happens if somebody like me tries to live completely plastic free? And actually it connected me back to a family in food and a background in food and a love of food and a love of the planet and a love of nature. And I cried a lot trying to live zero waste, which basically meant that I went to stores with jars and I looked for bulk sections of stores 
and each store had a different bulk section. I mean, I had a whole spreadsheet for which store had what bulk section and I would just spend hours and hours just doing my shop and just, I told my husband, no single use plastic in our house is the rule. And I did it for a year and a half. And it's incites many, many interesting conversations. Yeah. I mean, the way you describe it, it sounds so glamorous, so enjoyable. <laughs> oh, I don't know about that. It's not glamorous kind of washing jars and putting them through right. a dishwasher and trying to shovel powdered sugar into them in stores and searching for the foods that you want, all because you want to live clean and plastic is just, it's just horrible. It's really, really horrible. Like once you start thinking about it and it's horrible. And the minute you actually start to come off it, it's almost like a habit or an addiction. There are items that I now consume plastic free. And when I see the plastic version, I'm like, this is so unnecessary. Why are individual fruits wrapped in plastic? I couldn't agree with you more. In many ways, it's like you're flipping on a light switch, right? You'll never look at the world the same way again. I think that looking at the restaurant industry specifically, we see a lot of that with the no us without you movement in Los Angeles, really trying to support undocumented workers because they are by and large the foundation of this industry in so many regions. The Me Too movement and the disparities in both wage and general treatment of women and minorities within the hospitality industry. And it's so easy once that movement has taken place to look back with disdain, with disgust and think to yourself, man, I can't believe we ever lived that way. And I feel like the next large evolution for the industry is in sustainability. And I think that there's a lot of value in doing it in your personal life. But I'm super curious to know, how did you make the transition to saying, this is an initiative, this is a movement that I want to participate in as a career? Firstly, it's really difficult for individual consumers, right? It was difficult for me, but it's also really difficult for the restaurant industry, the hospitality industry. Like, it's not made easy. I mean, plastic is the cheapest thing there is and you're trying to run a successful business and oftentimes sustainability doesn't make business sense and what i'm driven by is making sustainability make business sense and that is the big shift that we need to make so i never overlook like how difficult it is particularly for like small family run businesses many of whom are trying and getting better but i've met many restaurant owners who tell me like sometimes the packaging is just too expensive for us to bear or it doesn't hold up as well but for me i'm well educated i've worked in a few different industries and had a couple of past lives namely in politics and then in education and tech and when i was really confronted by this problem the thing that drove me was what do I want to dedicate my life to where do I want to put my skills and my talents and when I look at many other things happening in the world many people are putting their skills and their talents there but not enough people are putting their skills and talents towards this and I felt extremely in the dark and ignorant I think about how all of this works like I said I didn't come from environmentalism I still feel kind of abjected from the world of environmentalism, but I just thought I just got to throw what I've got at this problem and see how far I can get in chipping away at it. And that really was the impetus for me. And I like a challenge and I like to solve something that looks to be a very, very big problem that I don't think is either being solved in the right way or there are not enough people putting their talents. So I try to get others now to put their talents mostly by hiring people now on this problem specifically. How did you start though? I mean, did you have the entrepreneurial bug prior to this? 
Yes. Like I said, I grew up in a family where I had a dad and a granddad that ran a business, a very, very small business, but ran a business. And I used to sleep on the couch in their warehouse whilst the guys were coming and going and filling vans with stuff. And I came from campaign politics. I was always very driven by people, community. It's no different to think about what policies get somebody to go to the ballot box and vote for something and feel like this is potentially the thing that's going to make a change for them and represent them and move their families and their countries forward. And also in the same vein, think about what individual families are going to experience and what's going to be a shift and a change for them. But at this moment in time, I actually wasn't thinking about starting a business or being a founder. I just wanted to work on this problem. And I actually looked for a company and I thought, if I can be like the second employee, the fourth employee, I'm down. Like I came from venture capital, like I said, and tech, and it didn't exist. And my starting point was what I had. I was always very entrepreneurial and I'm very quick to get up and do something and try something. I have a superpower, I think, that is little shame and uh, <laughs> low fear. So I... It's I a beautiful combination. In, I, yeah, I lived in a building of Facebookers in Silicon Valley. My partner was a Facebooker. I was not a Facebooker. People were asking me about my zero waste life. And I had a ready and waiting population. And I thought I can start right here, right now. And I started by getting people zero waste stuff. And I got 138 signups originally. And at any one time, I would service about 30 different families. Some people loved me. Some people I drove insane. I think now it's called growth marketing. But at the time, I was trying subscriptions on them. And it was getting to the point where I would bring drums of product to my apartments, soap and all kinds of things. And I would dispense them, prepare them. And then me and my two friends would deliver them within my building and then to neighboring buildings as well. And my husband was like, what is going on? Like, why is all this stuff arriving at our house? And I would even test buying them plastic stuff and then switching the plastic stuff for the zero waste version stuff. So every week, this is all I did after work, before work, and all through the weekends for months in 2018. And I was getting data and I was learning and I was having a lot of fun. And it was like this weird ninja service. People didn't even know how people were calling me up and asking me, hey, do you do babysitting? Like, do you wash my windows? Can you clean my house? Sometimes I would do it. It was crazy. Um, but I'm always driven to not necessarily start something, but to really affect change. And community really powers me a lot. I love people. I love understanding people. I love understanding what drives them. And I love delivering something for them that they currently don't have, whether that's policy, whether that's government, or whether that's a business need or a personal need, and filling that gap and filling that gap well for the better. And here was something that I kind of stumbled upon. I was doing it. And something magical was just starting to happen. And many people are always obsessed with what is the idea they should work on or what is the thing that they should do? What is the thing that you're passionate about, right? If you're passionate about a certain cuisine and you want to open a food truck or a cafe, like do it. And don't be deterred either by advice everybody has about how difficult it's going to be or this business model or that business model. You carve your own path and you do your own thing and stay true to the things that like matter to you and local farms matter to me good food matters to me we focus now a lot on partnerships we are going through still a pandemic where it's been very difficult actually for catering companies restaurants and we've been partnering with them and getting their products out onto the platform as well and what i realized very early on was systems and structures are broken and they're not built for where we're going they're built for like 
30 years ago, right? Distribution hasn't changed much. The food industry hasn't changed that much in terms of the underlying mechanism. And coming from technology, I looked at that and thought, how can I apply technology to this specific problem? And that was my guiding force. And so as we were doing all of this testing, I was also working on building out technologies to enable this whole chain to happen, this whole system to happen. And I could see that vendors were benefiting and families were benefiting. And so something was taking hold. And so for those that aren't familiar with Zero Grocery, how would you explain what you guys do for a living and what is the specific mission of Zero Grocery? We are a single platform at zerogrocery.com that enables you to buy anything and everything from food and homewares, bathroom and personal, plastic-free, next-day delivery. No single-use plastic in what we deliver to you. And with that comes good quality products, products that we've really considered a lot of organic, less GMO, less palm oil, social justice is important to us, labor is important to us, supporting local businesses is important to us. Our mission is to enable as many Americans as possible to shop 90% plastic free or more in a given week. So whatever you want to buy this week, I should be able to service you 90% of that stuff with a plastic free version of it. I like to cover market trends, and this feels like more than a trend. I don't know if sustainability is a trend anymore, if it's actually just the way of the world. I look at your numbers, and in 2020, uh, you guys grew by 3,400%. Mm-hmm. Yeah, That feels like there's massive demand there. That doesn't feel niche to me. Yeah, I was saying this in 2016, 2017, and people would look at me like, really? This is just like a trendy thing that middle or high income earning people are going to. Right. It's like hipster groceries, right? (laughs) And that's actually the furthest thing from the truth. I grew up in an ethnic household. And when I speak to my customers of color in particular, they tell me, oh, yeah, in our house, we used to put stuff in margarine tubs and then store it away. Right. I mean, ethnic people are infamous for being hoarders and for never throwing anything away. And so I hear that from my Filipino customers, from my Indian customers, from many of my customers as well. We share that in common. And I have a lot of families that just across the income structure, different levels of socioeconomic status that really connect with what we're doing. But look at where the world is today to not be too apocalyptic, but like look at where the world is today. My home city of London is experiencing weather patterns we've never seen before in extreme flooding. Turkey and Greece, large parts of it have just burnt down. I'm speaking to you in August 2021. Huge swathes, thousands and thousands of acres have burnt down from wildfires caused by climate change. California continues to burn. The Gulf states of the United States are experiencing extreme flooding and extreme weather patterns. And oftentimes, it's rural communities and it's low-income individuals, right, families like mine that suffer from the impact of the environment. And oftentimes it's us that are more in tune with living with the planet and living in harmony with the planet as well, right? And so I push against this notion that this is something that is just cool or something that is hipster. This is imperative if we stand a chance of existing as humanity for longer on this planet and not seeing the end of this planet come earlier than it should. Everything has an end point, but the goal here is to keep our planet alive and thriving for as as long as possible. And it's great to colonize Mars. I'm all for colonizing Mars, but we are not even close to colonizing Mars. And at what cost? At the cost of our own planet and our own Earth? And already there are reports that we are locked into the environmental degradation that we are going to experience at least for the next three or five years. Most of the change we're going to effect will be seen 
starting from about seven years from now onwards. And so really, it's a matter of life and death. Whole communities will start to be wiped out. We will have to have mass migration of people. Populations will be affected. Cities will be wiped out. And weather patterns are continuing to be a huge threat to survival for us at this point. And plastic, which is in all of our waterways, is in all of our food. You are consuming about a credit card's worth of plastic in roughly a week, week and a half period right now. And China doesn't want our plastic anymore. (laughs) We can't keep burying it and burning it. And so this is why it is imperative. Now, I didn't start this movement. So if you have, particularly my customers and members, granted millennial, Gen Z, and younger, who care about this stuff and who are saying, I'm going to vote with my dollars, we must, as businesses, figure out how do we do right by these people and do right by what is the largest customer segment, the Gen Z population. So if you want to have a successful restaurant in 10 years from now, a successful store, a successful hotel, whatever it might be, this is not something that you just need to get on board with or just slap a bit of sustainability on it. This is momentous. And plastic today is akin to cigarettes and cigarette smoking and will continue to compound. And I try and spend a lot of time with teenagers as well. And I ask them what they think about this. And they're growing up in a generation where single-use plastic is abhorrent. I couldn't agree with you more. And if we just make the broad scale assumption that we have sold everyone that's listening on this initiative, (laughs) you work, right? I know that you work to support restaurants in a variety of ways. And I know you know the struggles, especially that independent restaurants suffer from, from tight margins and lack of accessibility to sustainable products. What do potential customers see when they go to your website? People eat with their eyes, and our website's menu is the best opportunity to turn page views into paying guests. That's why I'm so happy to introduce PopMenu, the restaurant tool that turns more first-time guests into regulars. PopMenu is the secret weapon of some of the best restaurant owners and operators in the industry. It's a full digital solution, creating dynamic, interactive menus that hook your customers from the start with a mobile-friendly design. PopMenu gives us all the tools we need and puts the focus back on what matters most, our customers and our cuisine. With the changing landscape of our industry, we need tools that can serve the evolving needs of our restaurants. PopMenu can take your business to the next level. For a limited time only, get $100 off your first month. Plus, you lock in one unchanging monthly rate. Go to popmenu.com slash full comp. That's $100 off your first month at popmenu.com slash full comp. I'm wondering, are there practical things that you see the restaurants you work with doing to stop using single-use plastics? I think one thing, and again, this is the revolution of the internet being online, is just you can speak to many others. You can create community now. You can very easily find another business and ask them what are they doing and share tips and kind of band together. That's an important step to do. I always think we are being screwed over by the suppliers, by a lot of the producers. You're locked into a system that's very difficult to exist with. And that's why I have a huge, huge amount of empathy. And I always tell folks, 
do what is possible. Don't do it at the cost of your business going under. Don't do it at the cost of not being able to run your business anymore. You've got to ensure that you run your business and you make a livelihood of your business. And the more of us that get onto this bandwagon, the more we can affect materials and the more we can affect pricing as well. But we are struggling and suffering from a lack of infrastructure and a lack of systems. So are there new platforms that you can retail down? Can you do more direct to consumer? What I loved seeing actually was restaurants that were starting to do grocery kits, starting to do meal kits, starting to do other offerings to give people the in-home experience. Yes, we were forced as an industry to do that, but it gave autonomy. So focus on the things that give you as much autonomy as possible. So you're less and less and less reliant, particularly on big players and big conglomerates in this country from where you source your products, where you source your ingredients from. I love kind of initiatives. If you're in LA, right, or in New York or wherever, Texas, Austin, there are communities that you can be a part of. There are other restaurants you can kind of band with. But, you know, now you are kind of a one-stop shop doing your marketing, doing your advertising, doing your branding, doing your design and the food and the customer experience. It's a lot to take on. But sustainability goes hand in hand with the quality of the experience and the food that you're providing. So actually, it can help you to drive more dollars. It can help you to have somebody that looks up where shall I grab lunch or where shall I go to dinner and sees that there is a restaurant that aligns with their values and chooses that place over somewhere or something else. And that's just simply from the switch of some of the materials, right? A couple of single-use materials, having cloth napkins and not using plastic straws, just a couple of those tweaks help you to elevate the experience as well. It's always much nicer to consuming things that are not plastic. I've also seen restaurants partner with other startups, not just ours, but also work on their own, drop off and pick up like containers and packaging as well. I've seen restaurants try that. And I've also seen restaurants opening up to customers, giving them their own packaging and putting like takeout food in those as well. So we got to just be a little bit more open to some of the solutions around doing this. But I have been kicked out of stores and restaurants when I've asked them to put it in my own container. But this is why we existed, is to make this whole system easy. And I tell restaurants and catering companies, I do all the hard work for you so that you can just produce food, you can pack it, pack it in these reusable containers, ship it to us, get it through our distribution centers, we'll retail it down for you, and then we'll magically route back the containers for you. You don't have to do anything except keep produce. Your specialism is producing incredible food. That's what we need you to focus on. How do we do that? How do we do that as an industry? And I love seeing some of the meetups and community groups that I've seen really cool WhatsApp groups and I've seen Snapchat groups where food entrepreneurs are banding together and talking about this stuff. You brought up marketing and I think that there's a lot to unpack there. One of the reasons that I think there's a lot of hesitation from restaurant owners and operators out there, myself included, is messaging. It's very hard to do what you're proposing and have it be at the price point the customers are used to paying. I would argue that zero grocery is competitively priced, but certainly not cheap. And what you have managed to do is create value through storytelling. And people are giving you money kind of for the products, but more for the movement right? Because they believe in you, because they believe in what you're doing and they want to support it. And the fact that they get great products on top of it, I think is an ancillary benefit to the fact that they are participating in something in the future that they want to see, right? Yes. I will push back in that 
they're still coming to me for stuff. They still want and need groceries. And I sell really good quality stuff. And the trick is we have a membership and our members pay $25 a month. That is not a small amount to pay. That's more than a Prime membership. It's more than a Costco membership. I know that. And yes, the prices are 10 to 15% cheaper than anywhere else, like for like. That could be branded products or it could be a grade A organic tomato. But the promise we make to our members is we say, for this to work, you have to shop with us week in, week out. That's how we get you value for the 25 bucks that you spent. And that's how we get you the better pricing. And we have shown competitively against every other business, if you shop me week in, week out, what my customers do today, which are sizable shops, sizable shops, we will drive a cost saving, but it comes from you committing to this program. And that comes from a unique model, right? And another thing I encourage businesses around is find a way to get repeat orders or repeat or locked in customers and customer experience, right? So whether that's some type of membership program or whether that's some kind of discount because they are doing this with you week in, week out, month in, month out, that helps you with your numbers a lot. And that also helps you with your marketing because guess what? I have incredible families and incredible people shopping on my platform. We host roundtables for them. We do tastings for them. We do events. We have an ambassador program. They share us on social media and they go and get more friends and tell them, hey, you've got to be a member of this thing. But you still go to a restaurant for the food. Yes, the ambiance is nice. Yes, the decoration may be nice and the architecture may be right. You still go for the food. And you do still come to me because you're a busy family usually and you want groceries, you want homewares, you want the products that I'm selling. I would say it's actually a much smaller subset that are like, I don't care what they sell. It's environmental. I'm going to do it. I actually think that's the trick for us because normal, regular, in quotes, <laughs> people building more sustainable businesses is the key because I built this as somebody that is inherently lazy and tired and I just want stuff and I want good quality stuff and I want it now. And I think that that is perfectly fine. I don't want to pay more for the experience of being environmentalist and I definitely don't want to have to wait five days, six days, one week where other services can provide me same day delivery on my products. So you do still have to be competitive, but we've got to get smart about some of the models that we have as businesses so that we can generate repeat business. And that's why I love memberships or I love anything that makes creates community in your business as well. If you have a physical space, right? Like, do you have downtime? Maybe you're a restaurant, but you can start hosting I don't know, breakfast clubs or maybe you can start doing events or maybe you can create experiences for social media influencers and bring them through your doors and create that flywheel. I tell folks, like, I was with a chef the other day. I was like, you're a chef. You make amazing food. Get on TikTok. You should just document what you're doing all day. People are so fascinated to see the authentic experience. I've met some business owners that generated a lot of their business because they documented on TikTok from the day they got their premises to the day that they opened their premises. And they documented every single day. Really what seemed like mundane things like getting a new ceiling put in or getting the kitchens fitted or choosing designs all the way to like creating the menus. And this is the era we live in. People want to know who runs these businesses. They want to know your backstory. They want to know the process that goes into making this. 20 years ago, 30 years ago, did you really, do you still know who are the founders of brick and mortar grocery stores and homeware stores? No. 
Jeff Bezos. Now you know him a little more and he's been forced into the light. But did Jeff Bezos build a business because he was authentically himself and he put himself out there? No, he built a business 30 years ago in an era that didn't even require that. But that is gone. Now we require rightfully authenticity in who am I giving my dollars to? And there are incredible people building incredible businesses with really good stories to share. And people want to support you. They want to support your story. They want to support you because you're a small business or you're a new business. And even if you're a restaurant with just two or three restaurants under your belt, that's still different from going to a massive chain that is not doing what you're doing. And you're creating a really amazing, unique experience. Sell that, like sell that, sell all of that and show people what you're doing and let them in, let them co-create. Co-creation is another big piece. I mean, we ask our members, what do you want us to sell? Which vendors do you love? I had a customer the other day. She sent me pickles. She was like, you guys need to figure out these pickles. I love these pickles. Okay, why do you love these pickles? And she's sending them to me and we're like eating these pickles. And let people tell you what they want to see in your business, whether you do it or not. And more often than not, actually, you'll take some of the feedback, but let them in. Because if you let them co-create, they'll be loyal to what you're building and what you're doing. Oftentimes, we think we need to hit this golden idea and we need to build it perfectly and then we need to put it in front of people my business has been through so many iterations like i explained to you i cleaned somebody's windows to put this subscription into their home like it's we used to then go into people's houses and then we were refilling the jars i was on an interview today with a guy that lives in one of my old apartment buildings that i used to service and i said i used to come to your building and go floor by floor and people were at work and we used to go in and we had this brilliant idea that we were going to do the jar refills in their house which is a ludicrous idea like can you imagine refilling people's jars in the hallways of apartment buildings with a dolly that you push down but we were doing it and people liked it and they would wait for us to come and it just created a little thing and then that developed into the next iteration of the business model early on you focus on shit that is wild but is unscalable maybe but it's addictive for people to want to do want to try and that's why there are really small food trucks that people are just obsessed with and they'll line up round the block three times just to eat at that one small really really good food truck because what you're doing is really good. And sometimes it's not the right thing to scale that up. And other times it is the right thing to scale that up and start to have a brick and mortar footprint, for example. Speaking of scaling up, what's next? What are your goals for the next 12 months? We are a unique business in that we are a venture scaling business, which is different from a small and medium sized business, not the right business for everybody to run. But it means you raise a lot of capital and you put a lot of money into a business and you scale a business like cars very fast. I always say it's like putting like rocket fuel into like a VW Polo. <laughs> and it's either going to blow up or it's going to actually take off and turns out it's not a VW Polo. It's something wholly different. And so we are already in LA in the Bay Area. We're actually focusing a lot on the California market specifically. And the key things that we want to do is continue to expand our catalog, continue to provide really good products, continue to build out the technologies, both on the supply chain side and on the customer facing side to provide an even more seamless experience. We are working on a new app based experience, but we've taken our time with a lot of these things, actually, to make sure that we're like doing them right. I think the mistake a lot of businesses, and this sounds counterintuitive but the mistake a lot of businesses like ours make is actually they grow too fast into too many cities or territories or states and they can't provide the level of experience they want to provide and i don't want that to be our story so the next 12 months really is about 
California, California, and maybe some of our surrounding states, but really about California and focusing on servicing still this so many new potential customers we can be servicing here and we can be servicing really well. But the key for us in our businesses is great products, great experience and unique software that enables this to happen. And we will continue doing more of what we're doing, but just at a bigger scale. Each month that goes by, it grows and it grows and it grows. And we work to just get better and better at what we're doing. Sometimes you just need to refine what you're doing before you start doing something new. It's an industry podcast, and at the end of every episode, I like to give the guests an opportunity to speak directly to the audience. For the restaurant owners and operators that are listening, that are interested in sustainability but aren't sure how to start or they're fearful, do you have any advice or words of encouragement? Well, firstly, just don't listen to what a lot of people are saying, media is saying, industry is saying. You believe in what you're doing and like keep doing what you're doing because both delivery but also in-person experiences are really, really important. But if you're serious about sustainability, step one is prioritizing it. There is at least one small change you can make in your business today, one. And it's probably going to be switching the straws. But there's probably one thing that you can do that might be a really small incremental cost to your business and might also on the other end give you a good marketing opportunity like the straws or like switching to cloth napkins or changing the takeout containers, maybe, if you can make that work. But commit to it, do the work, the financials, but commit to it and see what that one or two changes, what do they do for your business? But whilst you're thinking about it and whilst you're talking about it, your competitor is going to do it and they are going to grow faster because of it. Sustainability is not something that is a nice to have anymore. And you're producing really great food, serve it in really great containers or give a really great experience that matches the food you're putting out there. And my DMs are open. I'm Zaleka Strasner at Twitter. People do hit me up and ask me for like recommendations of like packaging sourcing. And, but there's a lot of resources online actually. And more and more companies, just in the last year, we have more companies that are providing restaurant industry packaging than we had. So even if you research this just six months ago, there's probably been a couple of new players coming up or the prices have probably already gone down. So keep on top of this piece and start making really small changes, just small achievable changes in your business today. Don't try and go all out. That's Zuleika Strassner. For more on Zero Grocery, go to zerogrocery.com. If you want to tell us your story, hear previous episodes, or check out our other content, go to restaurants.yelp.com forward slash full comp. Thank you so much for listening to the show. You can subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. While you're there, please leave us a review. A special thanks to Yelp for helping us spread the word to the whole hospitality community. I'm Josh Kopel. You've been listening to Full Comp.